Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Focus on Albany. I'm Cynthia Poor. My guest today is John Sullivan, and John is the former New York State Democratic Chair in New York. And John knows uh, the Cuomos, and he knows Andrew Cuomo. And I called him yesterday to tell him about Rita Glavin's press conference. He listened, and I called him today. I said, let's do a show today. And what's your thoughts? What's your overall thoughts about Rita Glavin's presentation yesterday? I thought it was a very impressive presentation, but who was she presenting it to? In what form is she presenting it? She's probably a very good trial lawyer, but there's no trial. There's no opportunity to cross-examine a witness in trial. So it's, uh, you know, I won't say all for naught, but it's uh, basically noise. And it's a, a little, you know, way too little and way too late. The, the horse is, she's, we're kicking a dead horse here, trying to beat the horse to get back on the highway and run down the road. Well, that's just not going to happen. So, do you think that Cuomo is, you know, uh, having a tough time? You know, having a tough time not being in the spotlight. Yes, having a tough yeah. time having resigned, governor. Yes. But, you know, it all boils down to this. That was his choice. He made a choice based upon the circumstances at the time to step down. He could have said, I am not stepping down because I am being ramrodded or railroaded or whatever. He kind of alluded to that. But then because there were criminal complaints that were then pending, uh, I don't know if that was the final straw, but he, he did choose to resign. Then the criminal complaints fell apart. Now you're going to make a comeback. I don't know. I mean, I, I agree with Ms. Glavin that there are serious questions about the manner in which the Attorney General conducted her investigation and in the credibility of uh, this one witness in particular, uh, Ms. Boylan. I don't know her, but everything that Glavin's Glavin presented certainly gave us pause as to her, Ms. Boylan's credibility. But uh, Ms. Boylan was only one of like 19 women, I think, who came forward with varying degrees of stories and so forth. So if you're able to defeat Ms. Boylan's testimony and the testimony of another uh, witness at the Miso, I think, that's two out of nineteen. Is it? Would that be enough in a in a trial to warrant a, a jury to find there's not enough evidence? It's not beyond a reasonable doubt. Probably so. In a civil case, uh, I don't know. It's a preponderance of the evidence. So it's really it's a political milieu within which we are operating in. Andrew Cuomo knows that. Also, right. You know, Andrew Cuomo was, he spared no efforts when he was investigating Elliot Spitzer and Elliot's 
investigation into Joe Bruno and the state police uh, trying to get information about Bruno's use of cars and planes and so forth. Um, I'm not going to say what goes around comes around, but that's, that's not the first time there was a report that was issued by somebody who then ran to succeed that person after he resigned. Um, I don't know where they are planning to take this, uh, whether it be a civil lawsuit, maybe, but you can't undo what has been done. And um, I guess the only thing I could see politically would be that maybe Andrew is trying to so sully the reputation of his accusers and his accuser being the teacher James, that maybe she will have to step down, thereby opening up that door, and that could be his comeback moment. That's the only thing politically I could conceivably think of that has any kind of plausibility scenario-wise. I don't see him coming back to run for, for governor. But what about Attorney General? That's what I'm saying. If she resigns, or I guess if she if she now chose chosen to not run for governor herself. Right. I mean, let me back up a moment. I think her credibility was diminished greatly when shortly after this report was issued and after Andrew stepped down, she announced that she was running for governor. Well, you know that just that just didn't that didn't pass the smell test. Well, she's now reversed that, so she's going to run for re-election. Can enough pressure be brought to bear on her to resign and or enough pressure brought to bear politically uh, that Andrew would be able to succeed in defeating her? That's possible. I mean, he's got a huge war chest. Uh, He was attorney general. Um, I I guess if I were... uh, uh, Letitia James, I'd be a little unsettled. But even if she corrected her report and said, yeah, okay, I guess we, we missed, we should have been tougher on this Ms. Boylan and tougher on a couple of other witnesses, but you know, we, we evidently weren't. I'm sorry, it's not perfect. You know, there are 17 other witnesses, so I just, uh, I, I, you can't uh, on the, once the cork is out of the bottle, you can't put it back. Overall, did you think Peter Glavin's presentation was credible? No, I mean she's a very good attorney. But the point is, what was the context of her presentation? It was a press conference. If she was in right. a court of law cross-examining Lindsay Boylan, she would be very effective. But there is no court of law determining this. There's no forum to correct bad AG reports. There's no, well, yeah, I guess you could go to the inspector general, but uh, there's no trial to be had, and that's the problem. Okay. But, you know, knowing Andrew Cuomo, and of course you know him better than I do, I don't think this is out of my Yeah, politics is his life. So uh, he's obviously having a tough time moving on. 
I think Rita Glavin said that. Um, so I don't know. Maybe he needs a, a hearing. I, I don't know what kind of a hearing could be held, uh, you know, calling witnesses and cross-examining. I don't, I don't, there's just no um, structure that we have that would create a hearing based upon a shoddy report. If, if he shows the report was indeed shoddy, was indeed a hip job, his recourse is through politics, which would be to either he runs to oppose Leticia James, or he gets and encourages someone else to run to upend her credibility and say she's not qualified really uh, not to be not to be the attorney general. He wouldn't have to be the candidate himself to make that uh, uh, effort. So by Rita Glavin's testimony, uh, uh, press conference yesterday, do you think that she hurt Letitia James in any way politically or hurt her chances of, you know, giving the second term as attorney general? Oh, yeah, I, I don't think it helped. Certainly it didn't help, but, uh, you know, she was, to a certain degree, kind of barking at the moon because there's no, you know, where do you, what do you bark at? Uh, uh, where's the court go to to reverse what happened? Can you reverse a governor's uh, resignation? No. So you can howl at the moon and hope that in the future you know, other people will howl with you, and that may make a change, but that's about it. Wow. So um, it, it was interesting to listen to the press press conference yesterday. Um, I know that... Yeah, it's interesting to read a book about the whole thing, too, you know. what what? Right. How is that going to change anything? Maybe Rita Glavin could write a great book. Well, no, it seems as if COVID is spiking again. Had Cuomo not got, gotten into all these problems, do you think he would be doing his daily briefings like he did uh, two years ago? Probably. You know, it's... Woulda, coulda, shoulda. At this point, uh, right. not just the allegations about the women. There were other allegations of uh, uh, management style and his decision to not reveal facts about COVID and the nursing homes and all of that. I mean, there were a series of, of uh, questions that were raised uh, about Andrew's stewardship. And I think it comes back to something we've talked about before. You know, uh, there comes a time when you hold him or you fold him. He had that right. choice. He folded. Right. I mean, there's no, he, he, he resigned. Um, Monday morning quarterbacking, maybe he's kicking himself saying, God, if I'd known this now, I never would have resigned. Well, Okay. But how do you 
reverse the clock and take back what happened. You can't turn back the hands of time. Right, right. Uh, do you think that if if Andrew Cuomo had more friends in the legislature that he would have stuck his guns and all this would have blown over? Well, there's an old saying, somebody said, when you get into politics, if uh, you want a friend, get a dog. There's, there's a lot of uh, wisdom in that. But, but the point is, if you uh, endear yourself to people, like, for example, Joe Biden has through the years on both sides of the aisle, um, when you're in trouble, people will stand up for you. If you have not right. endeared yourself to if you have been, let's say, imperious or Im- impatient or just not nice. Um, the fewer there will be who, in your time of need, will come forward to defend you. And I think that's basically what happened in Andrew's case. You know, he he had a lot of water had flowed under the bridge. He made many, many, I won't say enemies, but you know, he crossed swords with a lot of people, and sometimes he was. Um, pretty pretty difficult when he did that, and people remember that. So the, there were not legions of defenders standing up for him. Other politicians, it would have been different. That said, I mean, it's something to be said about toughness when you're governor of New York. It, it you are compete. You have so many competing interests that it is important to take the reins and be tough. And he did that, so to his credit. But but the way in which he did it sometimes was, let's just say, uh, perhaps a bit much. This is true because Speaker Hasty and uh, Andrea Stewart's cousin, they all walked away from him, and he had nobody left. He he had nobody left except his dog Captain and yep. and his brother Chris. Yep. So unfortunately, Chris became an unintended casualty. Oh, he did. He the did. Collateral damage. No. Yep. Yep. So um, I know you know Andrew Cuomo. You've you've spoken to him many times, and I remember yeah, the I'm, story. I'm that not, I wouldn't I wouldn't say I'm a confidant of Andrew Cuomo's by any imagination. No, any but what of, you said about him I, I, calling I've him. Known, I have known him about, since he was a young man, and I've known him about, politically in person. Yeah. About him calling your wife when she was sick, that's a pretty yeah. endearing story, you know. It is. And and as, it, I, as I said uh, to you previously, there are a couple of sub, maybe three, four sides of Andrew Cuomo, at least two. There's the tough guy, and there's the compassionate father, brother, member of a great Italian family. You know, I saw right. that part of him, the good part of Andrew. I also saw the other part of Andrew. So it's a mixed mixed bag. 
So, you know, I I just feel so sorry for Matilda that she's got to live through this. You know, Mm -hmm. she's uh, both sons within a short period of time, you know, fall off their pedestal. And, you know, you know, you knew Maria Cuomo, correct? Yes. If Mario Cuomo was alive and he witnessed all this stuff, what would you think his reaction would oh, be? It would be very um, disheartening, to say the least, for him. You know, the interesting thing is Mario Cuomo, 16 years as governor of New York, he left with his head held high. Now, he... Uh, he was not retributive, but I could tell. He was constructive. He was sometimes a bit too uh, contemplative. You know, they, they called him Hamlet on the Hudson. I think if he could, he could turn back time, I think he should have taken the appointment to the Supreme Court. But he didn't. But there's much to be proud of in his 16 years as governor. And there's much to be proud of in uh, Chris's career and much to be proud of and I don't think his career is over yet he'll make a comeback in some fashion and there's something to be proud of too of the achievements of Andrew but so on the, on the whole you know you got to take the bitter with the sweet and right now there's a little more bitterness than there's sweetness but going to the 30,000 foot level and looking at that family and the contributions that they have made, there's no question but what uh, it's an enormous contribution and a positive influence. And so I guess if I were Matilda, I'd try to focus on that. So Mario Cuomo was uh, governor in the 80s and early 90s. Do you think that politics has changed a lot with the press and uh, changed has been a, a complete metamorphosis. It's all ad hominem today, which is is quite frankly uh, beneath us. You know, when you are trying to argue a point, argue the point, but don't turn around and say to the person, your mother wears combat boots. When you say that, you lost because you, you're no longer arguing the point. You're arguing the personality. You know, you're throwing tomatoes. You always know who's mm-hmm. lost the argument. The first person to call names or throw tomatoes, they basically lost the argument. But look at the former president. The more you throw tomatoes and keep saying the same thing over and over and over again, apparently people believe it. That's the mystery to me. It's like, how can whatever it is, forty percent of the eighty percent of the Republicans, forty percent of the country, still believe this guy that that he the election was stolen from him? That's just not true. And it's uh, it's amazing that truth has become really a uh, uh, a side matter in politics instead of the basis for political hegemony. Usually, 
you know, the person who can bring forth the truth is the one who succeeds. But for whatever reason, uh, there's been a lot of chicanery and um, a lot of uh, oh, just, I don't even, I, I wish I had a word to describe it, Cynthia. A lot of just baloney. Okay, I'll use that term. And people have bought it. I mean, rancid baloney. We're not only buying rancid baloney, we're buying year-old rancid baloney. Not but, you know, in New York State, Cuomo was riding high. He was, on, you know on top of the pedestal, and within a short period of time, he was kicked under the bus by um, his fellow politicians, the press, you know, the public. And himself. And himself. You know, he, and, and it was, and, he was and certainly not, he was not devoid of any fault. I, looking back, I think he might have embraced that a little bit more. Rather than being so defensive, you might better have mm-hmm. said, you know, I really made a mistake here. I mean, the way I was looking at things was jaundiced, and I now see it. I apologize, and believe me, I'm going to go forward and never do this again. You know, as I've said many times to you, you cannot have redemption without contrition. And I still right. don't see any contrition. I don't see any contrition here on Andrew's part. He can't accept and believe what has happened to him, and he can't move forward. And that's that's an awful position to be in. So he's got to try to do something. And, you know, seeking truth, trying to say that the report is not as unassailable as some people originally thought it was, that's fair. But, you know... I don't know what form is available for such a grievance other than press conferences. Right. Um, I I think there's going to be more. I I don't think he's going to stop. This is going to be a very interesting year politically. What do you think? Well, I think I, I personally think politics is interesting. Yeah, I've studied it all my life. I've practiced it, not always as well as I would have liked. I've made mistakes. I've also made some, I think, good decisions. On balance, uh, I'm retired now, so I can sit back and kind of observe it perhaps more critically than I would if I was on somebody's bandwagon. I mean, I'm not beating the drum for anyone. I'm more being in a professorial kind of way, looking at it and, and judging it, and using my life's experience to judge who's doing what and why to whom. I think it was one of my political science professors in college who said politics, his definition of politics was, quote, the strife of interests masquerading as a contest of principle. The study of who gets what, why, when, where, and how. 
So there you go. So how many that, years that were you? All good ones. How many years were you state that's champion? Three. 1995 until 98. So you weren't chairman when Mario Cuomo was mayor. I mean, governor. No, I, uh, I actually was asked to be chairman after Mario Cuomo lost. And he lost so decidedly in places like Oswego County that uh, Sheldon Silver, who at the time was basically the head of the Democratic Party, said, we need to change course here. Let's get somebody from upstate. So that's where I came in. Um, I think he only, uh, Andrew Cuomo only got 17% of the vote. Not Andrew. Mario Cuomo only got 17% of the vote in Oswego County in his last uh, efforts. And that's, I mean, Mickey Mouse did more than that. So they, they realized that uh, he had kind of run his course and we needed to change course. And so that's where I, I came into the picture. So I well, was Mario. But I was also, I was a great supporter of Mario Cuomo's and was one of the first county chairs to endorse him in 1982. And I, in fact, had mm-hmm. a cocktail party house uh, for him when everybody was saying, Koch is going to be the candidate. I stood mm-hmm. with Mario Cuomo. Mm-hmm. So you were kind of uh, in line with with Albany County, where where Arrestus Corning supported Cuomo, right? Uh, I guess you could say that. I wouldn't really put myself in the same bucket as uh, Arrestus Corning, <laughs> but. Yeah, I mean, we uh, we both supported the same person, I guess. Right, right. So our time's just about up. And there was John. a lot. There was a lot. To, there was a lot to support with Mario Cuomo. He was. I, I've always said he was the premier political polemicist of our time. I think that's still true. I don't think anyone has bested him at eloquence at this point. Right. So uh, you're retired now, um, but you still have an interest. And you're not even in New York anymore. You live in... Well, I... Yeah, I'm I'm back and forth. But, uh, yeah, I'm doing some writing, and I'm working on a couple of other little projects here. But certainly I can't help but follow uh, politics. I turn on the TV, and I'm trying to understand what's going on, and reading all the papers, and I'm thinking, how am I going to explain this to my students? And I taught college on a part-time basis for uh, 14 years, so I'm always thinking, how am I going to explain this? Well, I don't have any more, I don't have any students to explain it to anymore. But I still, I can't let go of it. I, I need to understand it myself. Mm. So I'm sure that the Cuomo saga is not going to end anytime soon. So I'd like I'd like to have you back on Focus on Albany to share your thoughts uh, about talk the, about other uh, positive things that are going on in the country and okay. in, in New York. Okay, so you've been listening to John Sullivan, former chair of the New York State Democratic Party. I I should say co-chair. Um, yes. I'm.
cooler. This is folks on Albany. If you like this show, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter. John, thank you so much for being on the show, and thank you, everybody, for listening. Have a great day. Thank you, Take care.